purpose? What if we truly make a difference in this world? What's up, 11:30? How you guys doing this morning? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're glad that you're with us this morning. And uh, I, I'm excited about today. I think that God is going to do some things in, in your life today. I believe that God's going to speak to you. We've been in this series called Four Cups over the last couple of weeks, and we've been talking a lot about God's promises, and God has got promises for every single one of us, that, that there are some things that He wants to do in your life and my life that are, are unbelievable things. And we've said over the last couple of weeks that, that God has got these promises, and so I want to define what a promise is. We've said this over the last couple of weeks. A promise is an offer with a guaranteed result. And so when God makes a promise, it's not only an offer, but He guarantees a result for that thing to happen in our life. And, and God has got some incredible promises. In fact, the Bible tells us that every one of God's promises are yes and amen, which means that God wants to do those things in your life. Now, the problem is, is we live in a world full of people and full of organizations and corporations that make a lot of empty promises. They promise, hey, we'll do this, and then they don't end up doing that. And so, and so when we hear this idea that God is a promise maker and a promise keeper because of our relationships with people, we presume or assume that God is the same as people. And so if God makes a promise, he won't fulfill it because that's what people don't do. They don't fulfill their promises. But we've said out of Numbers chapter 23, verse 19, it says, God is not a man, so he doesn't lie. He isn't human, so he doesn't change his mind. So God doesn't have the same concepts and mentalities that we do. He thinks and he acts completely different than you and I. The Bible actually says, that he's never spoken and failed to act. Has he ever promised and not carried through? In fact, God has always carried through on his promises. He's always fulfilled his promises. And the promises that he has for you and I, he wants to fulfill in life. And so therefore, God's promises should be stirring up dreams inside of us that, that will lead us to the fulfilling life that he has planned for every single one of us. Now the problem with that is, is that a lot of us, Life has happened. And because life has happened, dreams that were once vivid and active in our life have been crushed. Dreams that we once were aspiring for have been thrown away. And we are just kind of going through life. And I believe that the reason we're just going through life is because when dreams get crushed, hope gets destroyed. And when you lose hope, you lose sight of dreaming again. And what I believe that God wants to do here today for every single one of you, and listen up, listen up, listen up. This is God's goal for you, is God wants to restore hope. He wants to restore hope so you can begin to dream again and imagine the life that he has for you because he has an incredible life for you. He has an incredible life for me. We just got to begin to see it again. And we've been studying over the last couple of weeks. We've been studying what are called the four I wills of God. Hence the series title, Four Cups. Because what would happen is, is four cups is centered around the exodus of the Israelites out of Egypt into the promised land. They had a dream. They have a vision for their life. And they're making their way towards that. And God is basically delivering 
the, the Israelites out of slavery so they can walk into the promises that he has for them. And he makes four core promises to the Israelites. And those same four core promises, I believe, are at the very heart and nature of God. It's the four core promises that he wants for every single person that says, hey, I'm going to follow Jesus in life. Even people that don't follow Jesus, these promises are still true if they'll realize and accept them and live them out in their life. They can experience these promises in their life. And what would happen is in the Passover Seder dinner, which the synagogue right next door to us will celebrate here next year, they'll have a meal, they'll light some candles, and they'll pour four cups of wine, and they'll read this passage out of Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, that entails the four I wills of God, and they'll drink a cup of wine, remembering the promise that God has given them. And so let me read that at Exodus chapter 6. It says, therefore, say to the people of Israel, and that could be any people, that's the people for us here today, I am the Lord. He says, I will free you from your oppression. That's the first promise. I will rescue you from your slavery. That's the second promise. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. That's the third promise. And I will claim you as my own people, and I will be your God. That's the fourth promise. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who has freed you from your oppression in Egypt. Let's go back to that to the beginning of that verse. It says, I will free you from your oppression. That's the first promise. And I will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. Now, when I read that initially, I thought to myself, those sound like the same thing. Anybody else kind of feel that way too? It's like, I will free you from your oppression. I will rescue you from slavery. Like that, those are very, very similar. Like, is God saying the same thing redundant right there? I assure you, these are not the same thing at all. In fact, let me explain it like this. As they're exiting out of, of Egypt, it says this in Exodus chapter 13, verse 17. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, so, so understand this, they are physically free right now. They have freedom in their life. It says, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through the Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to stop right there because my Bible says that there was a short route to the promise and that there was a long route. And I don't know about you, but I like short routes when I travel places. Anybody else with me? A couple of you. Some of you all like the long way. So let's try this again. How many of you all like taking the longest way to get to a place? Okay. There's one young girl there. She hasn't learned anything yet. Uh, <laughs> How many of y'all like the short route? You like the short route? You don't like detours? You don't like any of those things? Like, right. I'm, I'm like, God, for real, you, you had a short route and a long route, and you chose the long route. Which should give some of us hope, because some of us feel like we're on the long route. Maybe God is leading you on the long route, because there's some things in you that he needs to do in you before he can take you to the promised land. Maybe there are some detours that need to be taken in life that it isn't a, a direct access. There is a roundabout way that God is trying to get you there, which is exactly what he's doing with the children of Israel because it says, God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt, which is interesting because they are set free and they are living in freedom but yet, in their freedom, God says, man, if they come up against something because their mentality hasn't changed, they'll return right back to where they've been. In other words, you can be spiritually free, living for God, and still be bound with chains and acting like a slave. In fact, that might explain to some of you, like, why things aren't changing in your life, because while 
they were out of Egypt, there was still a whole lot of Egypt in them. There were still a lot of things inside of them. While they were headed to the promised land free, there were still some chains. There were some mentalities. There were some, there were some uh, uh, things that they had acquired along the way that were still very, very active in their lives. Why? Because they had, they had a wrong view of themselves. They had had all these mentalities of what's going on. And many of us in here are going to heaven, but we're still plagued by habits and addictions and strongholds and our past and our attitudes in life. In fact, I would tell it you like this. For a lot of us, we can't move on to all that God has for us tomorrow until we settle what's happened yesterday in our lives. And it's our yesterdays that are keeping us from our todays and our tomorrows that God wants to do in, in our lives. And while these people may have left Egypt, Egypt was still all about their life. Let me put it in today's terms. In America, 50% of people that go to prison will return to prison within three years. Why? Because while they may be set free, they have not changed the mentality of being a slave in their mind. And while many of us have been set free by God, because that's what the first cup does, is it gives us freedom. It frees us from our oppression. We're still enslaved to some things in life, some mentalities, some mindsets, some things that are holding us back. And God is trying to deliver us in life. You may have been saved from eternity, but yesterday is still running your life. Your hurts are still running your life. Your attitude is still running your life. Your, your junk is still running your life. And see, the first cup that we talked about last week, the cup of salvation, it settles your eternity. But the cup that we're talking about today determines how you live here on earth. And I don't know about you, but I want to live good here on earth. I want to have my best life here on earth. And so the second cup is this cup of deliverance. It's all about God setting us free in life. It's about us not only getting out of Egypt, but getting the Egypt out of us. It's about the things that God has freed us from, not just freeing us in spirit, but freeing us in every aspect of our life. Because I don't know if you realize this or not, but God is a triune being. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Would you all agree with that? Okay. So... Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there's three parts to who God is. And you and I, man and woman, are made in God's image, which means that we are a three-part being as well. We have a body, which is our desires. It's our, it's the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. It's like those things with us. It's, I want that. It's your desires in life. And so we have that aspect of our life. We have a soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions. Some of you are more in tune with that aspect of your life. Ladies. Then there's a third part that is a spirit part, which is the part that's most like God, that when we drink from the first cup, the cup of salvation, that God comes in and renews and empowers us to be connected to him. And so what happens is, is when we experience salvation, our spirit is renewed and changed and transformed. But the problem is that the other two parts are still lagging behind. They got things that are still tied to our desires. There's things that are still tied to our emotions. And God is going, man, I want to bring some freedom to that. The problem is, is whatever you feed in life is going to rule your life. It's why some of you are going, but, but God, you've saved me. Why isn't my life completely changed? Because he might have saved your spirit, but he's trying to transform your body and your soul right now. 
He's trying to get those other two aspects of your life to play some catch-up. And what God wants to do is he wants to deliver you from some things in those aspects of your life so that you can walk in the freedom that he's given you in your spirit in every single aspect of life. And so whatever you're going to feed in your life is going to fuel your life. And so if you feed your emotions, you know what you're going to be? You're going to be an emotional person. If you feed uh, your desires all the time, you're like, I see that, I want that. I see that, I want that. You know what you're going to be? You're going to be somebody that, uh, you know, is, is going to be lusting after a lot of things. Or you can choose, like, I'm going to feed the Spirit of God, and that thing inside of me is all of a sudden going to start to begin to rule my life. It's going to allow me to walk in the freedom because it's going to tame the other two monsters. God wants to bring some deliverance and some freedom to our lives. And particularly what this cup of deliverance brings, if you're taking notes today, is number one, or, or it's not really a number, it's just freedom from addiction. It's freedom from addiction, and automatically when we hear the word addiction, we think of negative things. We think about drugs. We think about alcohol. We think about smoking. We think about food addictions. We think about people abusing things. Because what they're doing is they're coping with something that's happened in their life, and that is their way of escape. But do you know that there's other aspects of addiction, like achievement? People are addicted to success. People are addicted to working out. Well, I'm just being healthy. Yeah, but you spend seven hours in the gym every day. That's not healthy. Unless you're a trainer. And I love what Pastor Chris Hodges says uh, uh, about this. He says, he says this. He says, it's easy to be arrogant or judgmental about somebody else's addiction and to make exceptions for your own or to even be completely blind to them. So my question is, is what's your addiction? What is it? And if you don't know what your issue is, I'm just going to let you know right now, that's your issue in life. Because you're completely unaware of things that are running your life right now. And God says, hey, I want to bring you freedom from some of those aspects of your life. For others of you, it isn't freedom from addiction, it's healing from yesterday. Because here's what I know about all of us. We all live in a relational world and people hurt people. And most of the hurt that we have experienced in life is not something that we've done to ourselves. It's things that have been done to us that are out of our control. That person said some word that completely crushed you. Or that rejection that happened in life. Or that person that said, you're no longer lovable and divorced you. Or that tragedy that took place that you had no control over in life. And it wounded you. And we walk around as wounded hum human beings. And here's what I know about wounds. Wounds that are neglected, and this is what most of us do with our wounds. When we get hurt, instead of dealing with that hurt, what we do is we suppress it. We push it down. We say, nobody else is going to hurt me. And then we cope by going and doing something in an extreme measure called addiction. And what we do, because we suppress that, wounds that get neglected always end up infected. And so what happens is, is that infection is what the Bible would call a foothold that we give to the enemy. 
It's why some of you in your relationship with your spouse, you'll just say something kind of like normal that any other person would go, oh, okay. But your spouse flies off the handle and you're like, what just happened? Want to know why? Because there's a wound in their life that has been neglected that you have no idea about and it's deep down inside and you just did something that touched that wound that's infected and they just flew off the handle. Because they don't even know why they're flying off the handle. And God is saying, man, there is some freedom that I want to bring to your life. There's something I want to deliver you from. And I, I learned this so much this summer. I learned this summer as, as my wife and I, we were losing our son. And, and uh, when that happened, man, I was an emotional mess. I've never, I, I, don't, I don't even like crying. I don't believe in crying. And this summer, I, I cried more than I've ever cried in my life. And I remember when, when it hit me, I lost it. I was so bad. Like, I went to counseling, which, by the way, every single person should be in counseling. Like, like, we people don't go to counseling. Smart people go to counseling. Weak people say, I can fix this myself. That's dumb. Yeah, your, your pastor just called you dumb. I did. Because sometimes we need some people in our life that can help us dig down deep into some of our issues to discover what those issues are. Because I thought I was grieving the loss of my child. And when I started getting before a counselor, my counselor said, no, 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 this, I mean, you, you're going to grieve that, but th this is way worse than that. And we started digging back in my past. We, we ended up to where I was seven years old. Which, by the way, I'm, I'm 40 years old. That's 33 years back. That's how bad some of us have some wounds. They're from our childhood that we've never recovered from, that we've never dealt with. I remember we got back to when I was seven years old and back to this moment where I discovered that my parents had separated. My mom had left without telling me. They were trying to hide it from me, and I discovered it. And I was so broken in that time. I remember I, when it, he got me back to that moment, I could remember I was crying uncontrollably. And from that moment on, I said, I'm, nobody's ever going to hurt me like that again. And I'd stop showing and feeling emotion. Why? Because that was my coping mechanism. And so instead, because my mom was super successful in life and achieved a lot in life, you know what I threw myself into? I threw myself into achievement and accomplishment. It was my addiction to cope with my hurt that I'd never healed from, that had given the enemy a foothold in my life, that every time I tried to take a step forward, he would, he would knock me down. Like, you're not good enough. You haven't achieved enough. That's why you don't have the love that you want in your life. And some of you, as I'm talking, you know exactly what I'm talking about because you feel that way every single day of your life. You just can't pinpoint it. And here's the thing. Until we start discovering what those things are and start bringing those things to God, we will never have the victory and the healing that we need to move on from yesterday into today into tomorrow. And God wants to heal us from that thing. And, and I believe that God wants to use that thing in our life. Shayla always says all the time, because we've gone through a lot of tragedy in life, listen, my story, my pain will not be in vain. Like God is going to use that story to help somebody else. Why? Because it says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb of what Christ did on the cross and the word of our testimony, how God healed us and set us free from our past so we can live in our present and future. 
And some of us need to discover the healing that God has for our lives instead of walking around wounded for the rest of our lives. Being a victim instead of the victor that he's called us to be. Which leads me to the to that last aspect that this, this cup of, of freedom he wants to bring to your life. It's authority over the enemy. God wants to give us authority over the enemy that is out there. And I don't know if you realize this or not, but we have a real enemy. It's called the devil. He is a liar. He is a thief. He's all about stealing, killing, and destroying. A lot of people are like, oh, that's just a made-up thing. No, no, no. Just like heaven and hell are not made-up places, there is a real heaven and there is a real hell. And people that don't know Jesus are going to hell. And there is an enemy that wants nothing more to get you to get off track and miss out on God's purpose for your life. That's his objective. That's what he wants for you. And I don't know if you realize this or not, but we have authority over that thing because he's already been defeated when Jesus died on the cross and rose again. Death, hell, and the grave were defeated. And we need to walk in the victory that God has for us. We need to trust in a God who has already been victorious, will be victorious in our situation. That's why Moses told the people of Israel, he said this in chapter 14. He said, but Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. Why? Because God is a deliverer. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. That's God's hope for your life. Is the things that you're facing today that you'll never see those things again. Why? Because you'll get victory in those areas. And God, the enemy knows that you won't fall victim to them again. He says, man, watch God do this again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay Call. And Jesus has already fought the battle. We know the end of the story. The story is, is we win. And if you know that you're on a winning team, you know what that gives you? That gives you some swagger in life. That gives you some confidence in life. It's kind of like the, the, the New England Patriots playing the Miami Dolphins. They just walk in with swagger because they know, like, this is a cakewalk. Like, there might be a battle there, but it's going to be like 47 to 2. Like, uh, like we're just going to crush them. Why? Because we already won. They won up here before they ever got onto the field. And God wants us to get in this place where we realize that we are the head and not the tail. That we are above and not beneath. And that everything that he's called us to, we will prosper in. That he has got more for our life. He's got victory for our life. And we need to stop playing victim and start walking in victory. And when you start to win in life, have you ever noticed how much more confident you get there? Like, you win in something, all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I'm pretty... I'm pretty good. But in this case, you're not good. God is good. And if God's got my back and I'm winning with God, man, I'm going to keep trusting in him. And, like, it's going to gain more confidence. I think God wants us to go on a winning streak as individuals so we can overcome the addictions that are in our life. So that we can overcome the hurts of yesterday. So we can walk in victory today from the trials that we're facing today. So how do we do that? How do we... Del get delivered and walk in freedom and go on a winning streak. It's real, real simple. Number one, if you're taking notes, man, we got to confess to God. Confess to God. Well, TJ, why do I got to confess to God? 1 John 1 9 says, if we confess our sins, if we have a choice, if we will confess our sins, if we'll get honest with God, says he is faithful and just. And he will forgive our sins and purify us from any and all unrighteousness. 
See, what happens is, is when we sin in life, and sin is simply a term that says we're missing the mark of what God wants for our life. When we miss the mark and, and we mess up, what happens is, is we go from a whole person connected to God because that's what salvation does to us, and it fractures that. It creates fragments in our life. We're no longer whole. We have some brokenness to us. And God says, hey, that brokenness that's inside of you, what I want to do is I want to heal you of that. I want to forgive those things and purify those things. But the only way I can do that is if you'll get real and get honest with me. If you'll bring those things to me, then I will forgive you and make you whole again. But for so many of us, we're like, I don't know why this is. So many people are afraid to bring things to God. They're like, if God knew what I did, like, I'm just going to hide this from him. Let me give you a heads up. He already knows. That should be like the most freeing thing for some of you. It's funny. I was talking to a dad last night, and uh, his kids were grounded for like the 17th week in a row. And uh, I was like, dude, what's up with your kids? Why are they grounded again? He's like, TJ, they just won't tell the truth. He's like, my wife and I, we were on vacation. We had some people watching them. And what my kids don't know is that we got cameras all throughout the house. And so, so we were gone, and something happened on Tuesday, and we watched everything happen on camera. We got the video on our phones, you know. And, and so I went to my son, and I said, hey, what went down Tuesday? And he lied to me. And so he's grounded for three weeks because he lied to me. I said, what would have happened if he would have told you the truth? He said, man, I would have just gone, son, you made the right choice. Come here. Because what I want for him is just to be honest with me, to trust me with the reality of what's going on in his life, which is no different than God with us. See, when we screw up, we try to hide it because we want to put on this mask of perfection. Like, I got it going on. But you don't. I know because I don't got it going on either. But I like to hide it. And God's saying, man, if you just come to me and you'll just give me those things, what I'll do is I'll restore our relationship. And you'll experience forgiveness from those things. And so we got to confess to God. Number two, we got to confess to others. Well, TJ, why do I, I, I just confess to God? Like, isn't that adequate? Isn't that enough? Here's the interesting thing. We are relational beings, which means most of the hurt and pain that we experience in life has come out of relationships. And the thing that God wants to do is he wants to actually heal us through relationships. See, we get forgiveness through confessing to God, but healing comes a little bit differently, which is what we're after. God wants to heal us from our past. And so James chapter 5, verse 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So confessing to God connects me back in right relationship with God. So there are fragments that are put back together, but the deep wounds that are in our life, like that relationship is connected, but that, that body and that soul aspect, that healing aspect that comes to those areas of life comes through people. 
And God's saying, hey, you need some other people to be a part of your life, to make an impact in your life. And, and here's what I know about most of us. Most of us don't want changed lives. We would just want changed circumstances. And God says, no, 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 that's not how I work. I'm not just going to change your circumstances because I'm not after behavior modification. I'm after transformation of your hearts. I want to transform you from the inside out. And the only way I can transform you from the inside out is that if I help to relieve you of the pressure that is on your life. Because here's what I know about our sins, our faults, our failures, that, that we don't want other people to, to see them. And so we confess them to God. And that's one aspect of the restoration process. That's one aspect of the deliverance process. But there is still a weight that we are carrying. But the moment I find somebody else and I walk up to them and I go, hey, hey, here's what I'm going through. Here's what I'm dealing with. Here's what's going on in my life. And I start to tell somebody else about that, that weight that was hindering me, all of a sudden it gets way lighter, doesn't it? Because I'm not walking around wondering, who's going to find out what's happening behind my back? Who's going to find out that I'm a fraud or that I'm a liar or that I'm a cheater or that, like all of a sudden, all of a sudden, when I do that, all of a sudden there's this weight that starts to come off and all of a sudden I can begin to heal on the inside out, which is God's plan for our life. And so many of us want to be something without the process of becoming something. We just want to be healed without the process of healing we want to be free from addiction without the process of breaking that addiction. We want to be victorious without the process of going through and fighting the battle so we can have the victory. And God is all about the process in our life. He's, he's trying to help us become the man or the woman that he's called us to be so that we don't have to continue to detour so that we can actually walk into the promised land that he has for each and every one of us. But it begins with us confessing to God and then getting real with somebody else and confessing to somebody else. And then number three, we have got to invite Jesus to be the Lord of our life. And I want you to be very cognizant of the wording I use there. We have to invite Jesus to be the Lord of our life, not the Savior. Savior is eternity. Lord is about today. It's about who is in charge of your life. It's about who is bringing freedom to your life and leading, guiding, and directing you. In Exodus chapter 13, it says this, The Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud. And he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night. And the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. In other words, in order for God to lead them, he had to be out in front of them. And as he was out front, he was able to lead and guide them. Why? Because they had put him in the right position. They had put God as the priority in their life, or as we would say it around here, they were putting God first in their life. See, so many of us, we treat God as, as a partner, and this is, this is American Christianity right here. Here's what we do. We go, God, here's my vision. Here's my dream. Here's my future. Come up beside it and bless it, please. God, here's what I feel called to. Will you come alongside me and be a part of it? Nobody likes that part. And God's going, no, no, that's not how it works. You don't set the vision that I follow you. He goes, I get out front and you follow me. I go first 
You follow why? Because I came to be not just your Savior, but I came to be your Lord. That means to be in charge of someone or take the lead in something to rule over your life. What you're saying is, is like, I've ruled over my life and it's led to addiction. It's led to pain. It's led to a lot of defeat. I'm going to let, instead of me running my life, I'm going to let God run my life. I'm going to let him lead. And in order to do that, we've got to calm the voices of that pain. Calm the voices of that addiction. Because let's be honest, those things are really loud, aren't they? They're screaming. And it's easy to put our focus on what is the loudest in life. But the Bible says that, that God isn't in the fire or in the wind. In fact, in there, like God today, he doesn't come in a cloud of fire or wind. He actually comes through the Holy Spirit has, that has been given to every single one of us when we accept Christ into our lives. We have a much better helper than a cloud of fire or, or, or a cloud, of, just a cloud. He says, man, I want to do some things in your life. And if you'll, if you'll follow, here's what I'll do. If you'll follow my lead. And you'll let me lead. And you'll follow my direction and my guidance. Here's, what, here's my ultimate plan for you. It's out of Exodus chapter 14, verse 28. It says, Then the waters returned and covered all the chariots and the charioteers and the entire army of Pharaoh, all the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea. Not a single one survived. And God's hope for you today is that not a single one of your addictions will survive. God's hope for you today is that not a single pain of the past will continue to rule your life. God's hope for you today is that not, not a single dart of the enemy will pierce you today because of what he has already done on the cross. And that we would experience the deliverance of the Lord, that we can walk in freedom, that our spirit can actually run and rule our life because we're being led by the spirit of God in life instead of allowing our flesh our body or our soul to run our life. So you can move past the defeat. You can move past the attacks. You can move past yesterday to move into today and to tomorrow with all that God has for you, the fulfilling life that he planned for you from the beginning of time. Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me? The thing that I love about our God is that our God is a deliverer. That our God walks into every broken situation, every messed up life and says, you know what, there's not a situation that is too grave or a, 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 a brokenness that is too great that I can't heal. There's not an addiction that is so overwhelming that I can't eradicate out of your life. And maybe today there's some of you that need to drink from his cup. You need to drink from the cup that will set you free. Because who the sun sets free is free indeed. And maybe today there's some of you, that you need to make a confession to God. There's some places that I'm screwing up. There's some places that I'm messing up. There's some places that I'm falling in. God, I need you to forgive me. For others of you, maybe it's a confession that you need to make to somebody else. My prayer today is that you would be bold enough to take that chance. But maybe you're here today and you've never made Jesus your Savior or your Lord. You've never said, I want you to rule and reign in my life, you You've heard a lot about church. You've heard a lot about religion. And I'm not talking about either of those things. I'm talking about a relationship with the creator of the universe. That loved you so much that while you were in the middle of your mess, <coughs> sent the most precious gift he could send, his son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect life, to die a sinner's death, the death that we deserve so that we could have the life 
that he's always intended for us. And maybe you're here today and you go, Pastor TJ, I, I need that in my life. I need to make that choice to begin to follow Jesus. It begins with a simple prayer. And maybe you're here and you need to make that choice with every head bowed and every eye closed. If that's you here today, if you just slip your hand up on the count of three, we'd love to pray with you. One, two, three. Go ahead and slip them up. Yeah, hands going up. Pastor Josh, would you lead?